we have been talking about learning from Jesus and uh, just from his teaching and from different things. Today we're going to be over in, in uh, Matthew 14. If you want to flip over there, we'll start about 1422. Um, this isn't a direct teaching. And this isn't the way we normally look at this. But I want to take a look at a fairly familiar event and look at it from a slightly different direction. And yes, it looks like there's a lot of notes for you to take. And I will try to put my Michigan speed on my voice instead of my southern Georgia speed, okay? It had been a grueling day. The disciples had been ministering all day, and and they were on a high because there were some wonderful things that happened. They witnessed a miracle as Jesus fed over 5,000 with five loaves and two fish. And they are on a spiritual high. And then Jesus sends the disciples away to the other side of the Sea of Galilee as he goes off to pray. This is where we will pick up. Immediately, Jesus made the disciples go into the boat and go on ahead of him to the other side while he dismissed the crowd. After he had dismissed them, he went up on a mountainside by himself to pray. When evening came, he was there alone, but the boat was already a considerable distance from land, buffeted by the waves because the wind was against it. During the fourth watch of the night, Jesus went out to them walking on the lake. When the disciples saw him walking on the lake, they were terrified. Another one of those um, subtle understatements, yes? Terrified. It's a ghost, they said, and cried out in fear. But Jesus immediately said to them, take courage. It is I. Don't be afraid. Lord, if it is you, Peter replied, tell me to come to you on the water. Come, Jesus said. Then Peter got out of the boat and walked on the water and came toward Jesus. But when he saw the wind, he was afraid and Beginning to sink, he cried out, Lord, save me. Immediately, Jesus reached out his hand and caught him. Oh, you of little faith, he said, why did you doubt? And then they climbed in to the boat and the wind died down. Then those who were in the boat worshipped him, saying, truly you are the Son of God. Poor, impulsive Peter. Won't he ever learn? Here we are 
again. And we see him willing to to risk it all only to find himself humbled before the rest of the disciples. But yet, we admire Peter, don't we? Don't we admire his courage to at least get out of the boat? Don't we admire his faith? Got a question for you. One maybe you haven't thought about. Why is it the other 11, having also heard that figure out on the water call to them and identify himself as the Lord, why did they stay in the boat? You ever thought about it? I believe it was for the same reasons why we fail to take steps of faith in our everyday life. Now, I don't know for certain, but I'm thinking there's probably a few excuses that we, um, excuse me, they may come up with. Let's take a look at a couple. Excuses for staying in the boat. How about a complacent attitude? How about that idea of, I'm fine right where I'm at. Why should I do anything different? You remember Linus Van Pelt? Any of y'all know that name? Linus Van Pelt? Yeah, he's a character from Charles Schultz comic strip, right? Peanuts, yes? Do you remember what is significant about Linus Van Pelt? What does he walk around with all the time? He's always got his blanket, right? A security blanket. You know, each of us have security blankets to which we cling as we tell the world to go away. Maybe a complacent attitude. Maybe a distorted view of the situation. The task is impossible. I could never do that. There was a story about a photographer for a national magazine who was assigned to get photos of a great forest fire while it was happening. And he was on the ground trying to get some shots, but the smoke was so bad that it was hampering his ability to take pictures. So he got an idea. He called the local airport, and he asked for somebody who could fly him and get him up in. So he, he, he scheduled a plane. Well, he went over to the airport, and he arrived there, and he saw there was a plane that was warming up. Engine was on. Pilot was sitting in the seat. So he ran over, and he jumped in, and he yelled to the pilot, let's go, let's go. And the pilot swung that plane up and into the air and rose over into the wind, and soon they were flying. Fly over to the fire, to the west side of the fire, yelled the photographer. And let's make three or four passes. Why? asked the pilot. Because I'm going to take pictures. I'm a photographer, and that's what photographers do. i got to get pictures of the fire. And there was a pause. And the pilot said, you mean you're not the instructor? It was a fog-shrouded morning on July 4 of 1952. 
when Florence Chadwick, 34 at the time, the first woman to swim both directions of the English Channel, waded out into the water off Catalina Island, into that 21-mile channel between Catalina Island and the California coast. And she was going to swim that 21-mile channel. The water was numbing cold that day. And fog was so thick she could hardly even see the boats that were in her party. And she swam for 15 hours and 55 minutes. And she reached a point where she could not go on. And she asked to be taken out of the water only a half of a mile from her goal. Later, she said, I'm not excusing myself, but if I could have seen land, I might have made it. It wasn't the cold or fear or exhaustion that caused Florence Chadwick to fail. It was the fall. We too can fail, not because of fear or frustration, but because we lose sight of the goal. Another excuse, overwhelming fear, since I just mentioned that. And you know, fear fear is one of those odd things. It can go both ways. What if I fail? What if I succeed? It can meet us whichever way we go. The African impala. This animal has the capability in a single bound to jump 10 feet high. And to cover in a single bound 30 feet of distance. Think about that. 10 foot high, 30 feet of distance. 30 feet is about from those stairs to where I am right here. 10 feet high. Yet, an African impala can be kept in a zoo with a 3 foot wall. Because you see, they will not jump if they cannot see where their feet are going to land. Friends, faith is the ability to trust what we cannot see. And with faith, we are freed from the flimsy enclosures of life that only fear allows us to be entrapped by. Friends, if God is calling you to do something, no matter how radical it seems, do it. If you don't, you're going to be guilty of sinning against the very one who was calling you 
out of the boat. James 4, 17. James writes, anyone then who knows the good they ought to do and doesn't do it, sins. Friends, God may be calling you to do something that is humanly impossible. And by the way, it probably is. Because if you've got a God-sized goal, you need God to be in it. Amen? Amen. It doesn't require faith to do something simple. It doesn't require faith to stay at home and pull the covers up over your head and stay in the bed. It does take faith to step out of the boat and into the will of God. You remember Paul, Romans 117, remember what he said? He said, the righteous will live by what? By faith, yes. You see, for us, spiritual siblings, Christ followers, faith is to be a lifestyle. A lifestyle. Okay, so here's some excuses for staying into the boat. Let's talk a few minutes about some reasons to get out of the boat. Because when you get out of the boat, one thing that happens is your faith gets exercised. 2 Corinthians 5, 7, Paul says that we are to live by faith and not by what? Not by sight, right. Live by faith, not by sight. Peter took a risk getting out of the boat But friends, it was not a rash decision. It was a calculated risk. Peter didn't just hop out into the water. Where was his focus? His focus was where? On Jesus. Yes? Friends, God is not looking for us to take unnecessary risk. I didn't say no risk. But he's not calling us to take unnecessary risk, but to step out in faith and to do that with a faith that is based on wisdom and understanding. Your faith will get exercised if you step out of the boat. Also, your faith will be examined. You notice Jesus, when he caught Peter, he said, oh, you of What? Oh, you of little faith. Did you realize that he did not say, oh, you of no faith? Did you catch that? And Jesus did catch him. Yes. He had enough faith to get out of the boat. He had enough faith to call on Jesus. And Jesus did catch him. James 1 We read this, consider it pure joy, my brothers, whenever you face trials of many kinds because you know that the testing of your faith develops perseverance and perseverance must finish its work so that you may by nature be mature and complete, not lacking anything. This is our memory verse for this week. 
Make a note of it. Peter's faith wavered, but it never ceased. And he sank. And when he was sinking, who did he call on? He called on the Lord. Lord, save me. You know the great thing is that Jesus doesn't let us fail. You may think you fail because you're looking from a human perspective, but when you step out on faith and you do what the Lord is calling you to, do you not realize you make your father exceedingly happy and proud of you? And some of us may leave this realm because of what he has asked us to do. But we will never leave his arms when we are doing what he tells us to do. The great thing is, is that the Lord doesn't just let us fail. He rescues us and he gives us opportunities to grow. Many years ago, I came up with this little thought, and I'm sure it wasn't me. I'm sure it was the teaching and everybody else and probably those times when when I was meditating in the back of the church and somebody said it and it happened to get in. We don't have any people that meditate in the back of the church, do we? Okay. If they're meditating, the word might still get into them. But I want you to think about this. You might want to write it down, but at least think about it. Okay? Faith that has never been tested is not faith. You can argue with me, but argue with me after you have really contemplated that. Faith that is not tested really is not faith. Your faith will be exercised, it will be examined, and it will be enhanced. Through this testing, Peter realized the true source of his faith. Now, you notice we started there at Matthew 14, 22, and you notice what it said? Did you see, did you realize it said Jesus made the disciples go where? Into the storm. Did you take note of that? There are times in our life when Jesus is going to send us into the storm. Why? So we can grow in our faith. And in our courage. And we can learn that he will catch us. So that we can take that next step of faith that the Lord has for us. And ultimately so that we can enjoy a full and abundant life. Maybe you feel like you're in one of those storms right now. Everybody's got struggles, amen? You may be struggling to keep bills paid, keep gas in the car, 
You may be struggling because a kid needs braces or you need glasses or there's other medical concerns and the bills just keep piling on, not to mention paying the mortgage, doing the utilities, paying for prescriptions and food. And in the midst of all of this, God wants me to tithe? Have you ever stopped to think that tithing is a faith test? By the way, there's only a couple of places, one in particular, where God invites us to test him. It's found in Malachi, that last book of the Old Testament. Go look about chapter 3 and you're going to find it where God tells the people, To test him. You don't know what I'm talking about. Look it up. Malachi 3. Sometimes we just can't see how it's all going to get done. And friends, we're all distracted by what's going on in our country. That what's going on in our society, in this state what's going on in our families and I don't know about you but I feel like I'm, 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 I'm trying to swim upstream I feel like there's a storm brewing friend you need courage I know some of you are thinking because Eric does this I'm not very courageous I don't have a lot of courage But friend, it's not courage in yourself that I'm talking about. That's not the courage that you need. You need the courage from knowing who God is and that he is good and that he loves you and that he has sacrificed greatly for you. Okay. Some excuses for staying in the boat, some reasons to get out of the boat, but how do we actually get out of the boat? How do I walk on water? Very simple things I'm just reminding you of, okay? I know you know this. I'm just reminding you. First off, you need to recognize his voice. Matthew 14, 27, it says, uh, take courage, it is I, don't be afraid. Those of you who have been with us on Wednesday nights as we've been working our way through John, we've actually talked about this very phrase on several occasions. It is, in Greek, it's the ego me, the I am statement which relates directly to Hebrew, Hebrew uh, Exodus 3, 14, where God says to Moses, I am who I am. This is what you were to tell the Israelites, I am has sent me to you. You see, when Jesus was on the water and he said, it is I, what he said in Greek is, ego a me, he said, I am the Lord. Catching it? This is one of those clear moments where Jesus is stating exactly who he said he is. 
that he is God. You see, friends, over in John 8, 58, when the Pharisees who were questioning Jesus heard what he said and they heard that clear I am statement, that's what caused them to pick up stones and try to kill him in John 8, 58. Because they understood what he was saying. And here's the one thing I want you to get out of today. Now, there's a lot of things you can pick up, but I want you to not miss this one, okay? In the middle of the storm, Jesus is still God. In the middle of the storm, Jesus is still God. Read, listen, pray. Recognize his voice. Remember the victories. Jesus, you know, is in his third year of ministry by this point. And, and the inauguration year and all the popularity, you know, that's always past. The, the year of opposition has begun. Jesus has turned water into wine. He has healed the sick. He has cast out demons. He's raised the dead. He's fed 5,000 people, and now he's even calmed the storm for the second time. First time was Matthew 8. Friends, when you're lacking a little courage, remember what the Lord's done for you. What is it we used to say? Count your blessings. You realize how good of advice that is? Remember what he has done for you and get out of the boat because Jesus is there. Third thing, forget your fear. This occurred, it said, at the fourth watch. Anybody know what that is? That's like 3 a.m. to 6 a.m. It is in the dark middle of the night. And Jesus is out there walking on the very thing they fear. That water, that storm is under his feet. The Lord displaying his power over their fears. For perfect love drives out fear. Amen? Amen. No. That with God anything is possible. Peter understood that Jesus was not limited in his power. He was already able to do the impossible. And if Jesus could do it, if he could walk underwater, why not Peter? Why not us? Now friend, you may never walk on water. But God can do amazing things through your life when you believe fully in him and you walk in faith. Another thing, request supernatural help. Peter asked Jesus to allow him to walk in the water and there at, at 1430, you know it says uh, he began 
to seek. You look at the original language, it's a lot stronger than that. It says he was drowning. Is there a difference between I'm beginning to seek and drowning? Which one of those is stronger to you? To think that he is drowning, does that tell you about where he is emotionally, what he's doing, and what is he doing? He's calling on the Lord. And Peter cries out, Lord, save me, and Jesus does. Friends, do you realize that that is probably the most effective prayer that's in Scripture? God gave his word that anyone who calls upon the name of the Lord Jesus will be saved. God-sized storms need God-sized power to overcome them. And it is God alone who can save us from certain eternal death. Amen? Amen. Maintain focus. The same faith that allowed him to walk on water is the faith that Peter started to lose when he looked at the winds and the waves. Friends, if the task is impossible without God, then the only solution is to do what Peter did. Trust God. The last one there, remain teachable. Jesus chides Peter a little bit for his lack of faith, but I bet Peter and the other disciples, the ones that stayed in the boat, never forgot the lesson of the storm. Too often we Christians reach a point where we think that we've learned all there is to know. And these people are easy to spot, uh, or should I say hear, during the service as they are nodding in agreement and meditating on the back row. We need to be students of the word. We need to be lifelong learners. Listening to God, straining to hear the whisperings of our Lord. There will be times when we will be allowed to go through a life storm in order to get our attention, in order to test our faith, in order for us to realize how strong our faith is. Really, in order to get us to listen and to learn and to grow. But friend, don't curse the storm. Praise God, that he is in the midst of the storm with us. Father God, we thank you for your teaching, for Christ, for how he taught in so many different ways. For how he allowed the disciples the opportunities to 
learn on their own and to grow from their strengths and, yes, even from their failures. Father, we thank you that you will never place anything on us that isn't too big for us and you to handle. And may we, Father, always live and walk in faith with our eyes on you. And it's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen.